Beep, 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 boom, boom, boom. Beep, 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 boom. Beep, 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 boom, boom, boom. This week on EXM, may the fourth be with you, and beware the revenge of the fifth. Now that I've got that out of my system, a dude at ESPN says, Get your heroes out of my dorm! Arkham Knight makes gamers ask, What the H is a season pass anyway? Nintendo responds to amiibo-induced hysteria. Valve hands out ban hammers. We talk about our epic heroes matches and explore a world created by two giant titans. And our dialogue tree discussion is about the state of Star Wars and gaming. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. Come on, were you really expecting a question mark podcast? You're now listening to the exclamation mark. May the 4th be with you, everybody! Welcome to the Exclamation Mark Podcast. My name is Crofton Steers. I am one of your hosts for this auditory adventure you're about to embark upon. Um, With me is my uh, good friend and co-host, the Riker to my Picard. That's Star Wars, right? Uh, Bo Schwartz. Bo, how are you? Hello, Captain. I'm ready to serve. What does Riker say? I don't know. I'm good. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I we do have somewhat sad news, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with that, uh, which is that uh, Jeff Wright, who was on the show for the first three episodes, is not continuing on the exclamation mark, um, and uh, he uh, he partook in the development of this show and and we really appreciate all the efforts he put into it it's hard putting together something and it's time consuming and we're trying to balance this uh with our lives and stuff and jeff wasn't able to make it work for him but he may come back sometime as a guest host but it's just going to be Bo and i and whoever we recruit to take the third chair every now and again to talk uh, talk games and i'm i'm sad about this but i'm i'm confident we're going to still have a have a good time and 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 uh be able to talk about a lot of uh what matters in the the world of gaming Bo. yeah i'm really sorry to see him go but uh you know we understand uh um his reasons for departure and and we're just going to continue on uh, we wish him all the best and thank him for his uh you know service that sounds too formal <laughs> but you it know does. but it, we want to thank him for these efforts in starting the show because it is a really hard thing to do It'll be like it'll be like uh, if somebody gets really into the exclamation mark podcast when we're at episode like 150 or something, and they're like, "I'd like to listen to the beginning and see how the show came to be." It'll be like those pilot episodes of a sitcom where you've got like a th- you know some guy before he's recast or like <laughs> I'm, I'm trying I'm trying to think about uh, who, who like there, there are definitely characters in sitcom history who fit that bill <laughs> or who are just like in the first few episodes you're like who is that or they change the actor or something maybe when the next person comes in if, if somebody else joins us I'll, I'll say I'll call them Jeff and they will they will play play the role of Jeff or maybe I'll let them be themselves we'll see well immortalized forever you are Jeff in our podcast origin story you like the the yoda phrasing (laughs) may the force be with you uh 
and now uh, now without further ado, let's uh, let's run down the news of the week in uh, a little segment we call readme.txt. Man, never before has uh, modem been so headbangingly hip hop. <laughs> I was bobbing my head to the sounds of a modem. I know. One day we'll sell the soundtrack to the show and make a mint. <laughs> All right. Um, so at the top of our news uh, items is Heroes of the Dorm, which is a Heroes of the Storm competition for I think college students. Uh, finally appears on ESPN2 Broadcast Television, which is a rare enough appearance for any kind of video game esports on regular old television. And um, uh, so the finals happened on ESPN2, and then an ESPN radio host, like a, a person employed by ESPN, um, Colin Cowherd, loudly de- de- declared his disdain for the fact that Sports Network would dare broadcast uh, video games saying that it was for nerds and that if he had to ever cover it, he would quit. And um, gamers have responded with quite a bit of indignation over this, that um, it's been making a lot of headlines, uh, even in places like Business Insider. Uh, esports, I mean, ESPN being fairly mainstream, it's uh, it's a pretty big deal that you know someone would come out and just crap all over basically what amounts to Almost an experimental broadcast of esports uh, on a sports uh, mainstream sports network. Um, Crofton, do you have you like heard of Heroes of the Dorm or seen? I think Dota's been on ESPN. I, well, I haven't heard of the. Ter- I know like Dota's the international. It's Dota that does the international, right? And yeah. like, uh, yeah. there's I I know some of these competitions get tons of streamers on, online. Um, you know I. Not that not to sympathize with this guy at all, but I mean, it it does seem like there's this sort of weird void of where these things should go. Like you got Twitch that exists online and you've got a bunch of sources online. But G4, the channel that was devoted to video game coverage in the States, has pretty much is, – is belly up, is kaput. Uh, and um, I feel like – that this would be a perfect fit for G4. And I feel I feel almost bad for G4 in the sense that had um competitive video game playing like um uh, and all all these MOBAs uh and, and other Call of Duty, any any all these online streams had had this happened just a, a little earlier, they could have catapulted off that and, and had that on their on their programming, and maybe they'd still be around uh, today. But gamers notoriously don't watch TV because they are playing games, and this whole like Twitch thing is is, is relatively new. So I, I you know to, if sticking um, this competition, Heroes of the Dorm, on ESPN. Like I'm, I'm glad for them. I'm glad for the exposure, but I can't understand like somebody who might work at ESPN being like, "Well, you know, this sucks. This should be on another channel, or it should be on like, you know, it might not fit with their programming." Yeah, like this hit me in a weird way because um, I, I came across this. There's, you know, I, I listen to quite a few podcasts, and this came up in, as a news item in a lot of those shows, and. Um, a lot of the response from gamers was, you know, oh, that guy shouldn't be 
working for ESPN and, um, you know, he's being a real jerk by saying these things. But, you know, I, we do a little show called Good, Bad or Bullshit where um, we're free to sort of express our opinions and have our disagreements, but ultimately respect the fact that we're all trying to have an opinion on something. So when I kind of looked at this, I was like, well, I had a conflicted notion because I'm in my mid 30s right now. And when I was young, games and sports seemed like mutually exclusive alternatives. You know, culturally, and as a young person, you'd be like, oh, I'm into games. You could still be into sports, but you kind of identify um, with them somewhat separately or feel like they were separate worlds. And what this sort of push for esports is doing is pushing those two things together in an uncomfortable way. Keeping in mind that ESPN will broadcast like poker. Uh, how you know if you don't think that's a sport or chess like that's a good point they're com- the poker thing it's competition but maybe it's not athleticism in the physical sense and that's a it's a distinction i mean it, the rigors of of being a physical athlete versus playing games there's still a physical requirement but it's much less than you know it's your hand reflexes and you know, your capacity to work in a team, but there's a lot of similarities. So I feel like I, while I don't agree with this person's opinion, I feel like it's almost, it's, it's, it's becoming more and more irrelevant. Like we need to think in terms of things positively and not so much negatively, but um, it was impactful the way it sort of hit gamers in that, in that sort of indignation because, <laughs> you know, it is, yeah, well, gaming, gaming, and gamers is are uh, subculture, and and uh, I think when somebody shits entirely on a subculture, uh, and and I never agree with that. Like no matter, I try to be as uh, judgment free as possible. Um, it's hard sometimes. Like you, you know, you like things, you dislike things. Like you mentioned, you plugged our other podcast, GBB, and often we run across topics on that show in which I'm like. You know, I think people who do this are ridiculous. But, uh, you know, at a certain point, you have to respect them or treat them with respect anyway. And it, it sounds like this guy wasn't doing that. So but even, even so on that show, we did an episode on professional sports. And I was leaning towards saying that they were bad or dumb or something negative. And it was you who duly reminded me that I was like, don't you like esports? And aren't we all in the same family? And I was like, you know what? I'm humbled. <laughs> yeah, so. no, it, it it's it is a bit of a way of the future. I've mentioned before this gaming generation gap, and, and this may this may be it. I definitely am not attracted to that type of gaming, but I can see it gain uh, quite a lot of popularity. Um, let's move on to our second yeah. item here. This is uh, this is with regards to one of my most anticipated games of this year, uh, Batman: Arkham Knight. So, um, Rocksteady and Warner Brothers uh, Interactive announced the um, season pass for Batman: Arkham Knight, and it was go- that it was going to cost uh, around forty dollars, and that um, aside from some vague pleasantries about what it would include you know batmobile variants or um, different costumes and this sort of thing it it didn't really get into big detail of what that 40 dollars would buy you and with the retail game being like 60 bucks in the states 70 bucks here in canada um i think gamers were just a little bit peeved uh, at the gall of, of of them just asking asking for so much upfront with so little information, and it is it is a bit interesting because um, it, we're sort of like games haven't changed price since I was a kid. Like 
when I'd buy a game on a Super Nintendo, it'd be like 60, 70 bucks. It's still 60, 70 bucks. So uh, I think game companies, as, as the price of everything goes up, uh, are looking to make more money. And, uh, and so this is sort of the first misstep for Arkham, the Arkham Knight game, which had been doing pretty good uh, with regards to public relations. Uh, Bo, would you I, buy a well, Seasons Pass like this, uh, um, Sight Unseen, for 40 bucks? I'd have to I'd have to have faith in the product I was buying. So like, and even then, I'd probably be mistaken because like I'd, I'd cite Borderlands Two as a game where the DLC is like chock full of content, and it's a game I like, so totally worth. I bought a season pass for it. Um, but you know, it's like you were mentioning. It's you know the the AAA game production is more expensive because wages have gone up. Minimum wage goes up. There's inflation, so it seems unreasonable to, on one hand, expect that the price of games would just stay the same or go down, even though they're crazy cheap on sale uh, in places like Steam and Good Old Games and even on I, Origin. But they don't. They don't when they sell them like that. Like they're selling electronic versions of files. Like their production costs are way down. Gone are the days where you get these color manuals and shit like that. Um it's it's all it's all sort of it's like digital locker basically. Yeah, digital locker. And, and so you're getting you're getting this stuff uh for for, you know, a sizable amount of money for a virtual uh, a virtual file. And uh, also they're selling way more, like people buy games way more than they did when we were kids. Like, uh, and they need to, like, you'll hear these things like this game needs to sell a million or the company's going be- belly up, right? So the pressure, the pr- pressure is really high um, as well. So, I mean, I can understand why they want the money and I have goodwill towards Rocksteady and, and, and um, Warner Brothers for their, even Shadows of Mordor, which we talked about last week, recent Warner Brothers games, super awesome. I love the Batman games. Um, the Batman DLC has not been particularly great for Arkham City, for Arkham Origins. I don't even think Arkham Asylum had any. It might have been pre-DLC. So I, I don't, I can't judge based on those games. Like I feel like if they continue the same motif of DLC of Arkham City, I may be a little underwhelmed. But uh, I understand that this game probably cost a shit ton to make. Um, well, yeah, I, and it's not like I think if you're a fan of the game, like they're counting on that pre-order hype. If you're a fan of something, you're gonna, you're you'll be tempted to buy the whole enchilada. I was on Steam earlier today, and I want to see if this is correct or not. But um, you know, Modern Warfare Three is also up for pre-sale. I think you could only pre-order it with the season pass. I only saw an option to buy it for like one hundred and twenty dollars. You mean Black Ops Three? Yeah, Black Call of yeah. Duty Black Ops. 3. Yeah, I'm on Steam right now, um, and uh, the pre-order is 114 dollars. Well, see, the pre-order oh, that's a digital deluxe. Yeah, there's that's it. Like they're finding ways to milk as much as possible. So you've got you've got your seasons pass, you got your pre-order bonuses, which are done both in electronically. Like I saw in the PlayStation Store the other day, you buy Arkham. Um, in on, on PlayStation Store, and you get a free theme for your 
PlayStation 4 background, like a wallpaper and stuff like that. Uh, sometimes it's like you buy it in EB Games or GameStop and you get uh, you get an unlock of this costume or you buy it at Walmart, you get this. Assassin's Creed's are huge on that. It's like you can't possibly get any everything. You have to buy them in certain areas. And then on top of that, there's the Seasons Pass. So they're trying to they're trying to expand. They put so much money into the development of these AAA titles. They're trying to expand it past the 69, 70 buck range into into taking like 150 plus dollars uh, out of your wallet. And sometimes it's earned. I'm sure sometimes it's earned. But uh, uh, you know, well, I think in in terms of this uh, Arkham Knight issue they you, you need to know what you're buying because i've seen season passes like i think one that i was tempted was metro last light had a season pass but i wasn't clear on what was entirely included in it it was just like all future dlc for this product but that still doesn't mean i i want to buy it <laughs> you yeah know? you gotta you gotta be transparent i agree 100 percent. yeah so the good news about seasons passes is that they seem to be for sale later on so you could just buy the base game and then you know a few months down the road if you're urging for more content and some of the DLC has been released. I think you can still buy seasons passes. So it does come at a discount rather than buying everything a la carte. Um, so, I mean, that part's not so bad. Like no one has to rush out and buy the season pass right away. So if anyone's listening, that's tempted or keeps making that mistake is that you don't have to just pre-order the base game and, you know, uh, little things like an extra gun or an extra costume skin, uh, seems like seem like bad reasons to make purchases sight and scene unless you are a huge fan or just supporter of that company then then knock yourself out but uh, and just to close the loop on that story um, Warner Brothers has has sort of felt the heat and they announced some details including this prologue where you play as Batgirl and such yeah the Batgirl image looks cool that's so exciting. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's cool, and I understand how it won't necessarily take away from the rest of the game and this and that. But but they probably should have – they could have avoided this had they come up front with that to begin with. I think the lack of transparency, which really going to hurt them. And, you know, last week we talked about the mod scandal with Valve, and this, this week it's this. I just feel like gaming companies – it's kind of a bold new world out there, and they're learning as they go – um, I, I think back to the horse armor in Oblivion, the first sort of <laughs> yep. DLC scandal, that if you will. That was well received. <laughs> yeah, which is, fun, which is funny because now like you look at games like Dota and the whole game is horse armor. That's how they make their money, right? Like everybody, oh, yeah. bu- oh, yeah. bu- everybody buys bells and whistles that don't do anything gameplay wise, but just make your dude look different, I'm, right? I'm pretty sure I've spent 30 or $40 on skins for League of Legends and probably the same amount for a few skins and heroes. And they're worth it. They're, they put a lot of work into some of those. But they're kind of... It's kind of a stupid purchase. You know, it's like... You're not well, getting any gameplay. But your support, it. it depends how much you spend. You're supporting yeah. the development of the game. And that's the other thing with uh, the seasons past. The reason I can't get too upset about the Batman thing is I love those games and I have no doubt this game's going to be awesome. So, I mean, part of me just wants to be like, yeah, I'll pony up extra money to support you to show that I want to see AAA games like this developed in the future. Yeah, yeah. So, I. Next, uh, next on the list here, Nintendo apologizes for amiibo shortages. Oh, promises boy. better communication moving forward. So, uh, Bo, are you familiar with the amiibos? I've heard of it, and I think I've seen the pro- like Skylanders products in person. If those are similar, but I don't they know are. what they. I don't know what you do with. 
Well, like, yeah. Just to give you the Coles notes or the Crompton's notes, if you will. Ah, yeah. uh, you <laughs> well, see what I did there? Okay. Uh, so uh, did they come from it, C Magazine? Yes, they do. <laughs> um, so the Amiibos are, and the Skylanders connection is good because Skylanders started this concept of like you have a little toy, um, your your uh, your system can scan it, and then uh, it it allows you to play as that character in the game. So that character is imported in the game, and then when you when you leave the game. Uh, you can save your game into – there's a little uh, memory inside of the figurine. You save your game in that and then you can say go to your friend's house and then you can bring your character with you and then go into his game with your character who may have been leveled oh, up. Oh, that's That sort of stuff. Right? So so what, okay. um, So that's how it started and then everybody – and I mean everybody jumped in on this because the amount of money you could make um, – was ridiculous. Uh, there's a lot of and, and people say, "Hey, this is just for kids." But honestly, there are collectors like crazy, and this is this is where you're you're getting a little statue of like a character that um, you may have you know an affinity for. In this case, all amiibos are Nintendo characters. So, um, so there's, you can only play the character that you buy. Like if you if you buy Link, you can't play as Mario. Well, the the thing is, is that's the Skylanders model, okay. but uh, the way the way that they've done, Nintendo has done it is because they don't want to lock characters in their games. So you can play all those characters, but like you might unlock a little bonus thing or a skin or something like that, or for the character that you have the statue for, right? Okay. Um, so uh, it, it unlocks bonuses in games, and, and they've tried to work out different types of functionality. In the end, though, what people really want is to, to collect these little these little statues, and, and there's a, a sort of a, a joke going around that Nintendo, these Amiibos are stopping Nintendo from going out of business because <laughs> Nintendo's had a hard time with the Wii U and stuff, but people are buying these things like crazy but with with that demand is people are getting concerned that maybe they're whole they're trying to create shortages like there's talk about apple doing that with the iphone too you know creating shortages to up the value of certain figurines so there might be a zillion marios but one link or something like that for every zillion marios and uh people just run around from walmart to walmart or from store to store trying to find that mario and then they sell or that link and they sell for zillions of dollars on the on eBay or something like do you, that. Do you think? Do you think a company would really, like, I, I I've played Magic the Gathering, so I like that's a company that's very aware of, of trying not to undermine a secondary market for a trade. Like, they won't reprint old cards partially because, you know, maybe they're too overpowered and there's game balance issues, but also because, um, they don't want to flood the market with a second copy, of a of a card that's worth a certain amount to collectors so like if you have some old rare card that's worth a couple hundred dollars and then you know the company says oh hey let's print this card and all of a sudden that that card you paid like six hundred dollars for is now only worth 20 because the company wouldn't flooded the market like they're not thinking about that are like they don't really have anything invested in the secondary market like that i don't think so like but they do i think that their way of looking at it is Mario is a very popular character, so we're going to make a zillion Marios. But this third tier character from Fire Emblem is not popular, so we're going to make like a one 
eighth of the amount of of those those characters. But for the people who get collect every single one, that means they're they've created demand for that that one eight. Where they might have just try, been trying to avoid having a bunch of these third string characters sitting in bargain bins everywhere. They, they and don't it, want to pull an ET and have to bury them out in a landfill. Somewhere. That's right. <laughs> so so they, they, they create this demand. Anyway, they're 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 apologizing because and I think that they're starting to realize again there's this is the second article in a row about a game com- company learning a lesson. And uh, as these new markets, these new ways of making money uh, are coming to fruition, these companies are learning what pisses off their customers. And uh, hey, I is, guess... Is Pokemon guess, a Nintendo-owned property? Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Like, they ha- their reserves for printing tons of these Amiibos is probably oh, yeah. pretty deep. And they print variants. They're already printing variants of them. You know, there isn't just one Mario. There's, like, Golden Mario or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. I know all about the Golden Fever uh, from um, playing Hearthstone. <laughs> that feeling of I gotta have the golden version of that card, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, that's what it's like. Yeah. So people, they they know what they're doing and they're making a ton of money uh, on it. So you know, I as long as they they learn from their mistakes and don't repeat them, then so, I don't got problems. So so you think them coming out and uh, you know having a press release saying like, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we really didn't intend for this. You think that's like a genuine, you know. Shows a genuine will on the part of Nintendo to meet their consumers' demands. Essentially, I don't know. It's you know, like it's too it's too early to tell. They're right at the tail end of too early here, meaning that like uh, they should know at this point that the sales for their product are are crazy. So any new models that come out, if this keeps coming back, then then they know what's going on, and they're trying to regulate the economy. But if uh, it could. I'm. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. And Nintendo's another company I'd like to see make some money so it can be around for a long time. Well, all right then. Uh, there are a lot of Nintendo fans out there, um, even though you know they, they've been sort of in the third place spot on the console list. I would say for the last little while. Um, all right. Uh, and the last news item we have on uh, readme.txt is that uh, Valve allows developers the ability to ban players from their games. Um, and this only applies uh, to multiplayer online functionality. This was reported in a lot of places, but um, I actually read the steampowered.com article on, on it. And I think it's a move that makes sense because essentially Steam has like a billion games and I don't see how they could be expected to, to monitor the online realm uh, of each game. Um, but still there was a bit of concern. There's a bit of concern when, when people feel like developers are having some direct impact over their steam accounts because the steam environment should be self-contained right like i'm a i'm trying to paraphrase what the objections might be you know so like if i don't want a game company to have any impact on my steam account um that being a separate environment but it just seems like though it'll only affect multiplayer online games so like if you're if you're someone that hacks all the time well and you log into I don't know Call of Duty and they're they're hooked into the Steam network or however that works um they'll just be they'll be blocked and the, so the developers now have that switch I I can see where it would be contentious like I don't play that many multiplayer games online and when I do I'm kind of aware of common courtesy to the point that I don't hack games so I'm probably not going to get banned uh 
I think it's it makes sense for developers to be able to regulate, but I think only a few games, and you gave the example of Call of Duty, will that be necessary because uh, there's single-player games and there's multiplayer games, and there's only a select few that have sizable components of both. Call of Duty is one of those games, but when you're playing Dota or something like that, that's a Valve game. Let me, like, whatever. What's another one? Uh, um League of Legends or... Sure, League of... Let's say you were playing League of Legends uh, um, and uh, you got booted. Um, I mean, that's the whole game. It's multiplayer. Call of Duty, it's trickier is because you can get booted from the multiplayer but then suddenly not be able to access your single player anymore because it's a product through Steam. And that's kind of that's kind of annoying. I can see how that would be frustrating to uh it to would, users it would be theft <laughs> like it would be the equivalent of buying a box copy of a game coming home to play it and then the company coming over to your house and saying uh, we don't like the way you're behaving with our product so we're just going to be taking that disc with us <laughs> you know what, taking what back, they need so. to do then what they'll have to start doing i feel for it to be fair is to do like what mmos do as soon as you start the product it would need to be first of all online connected at all times, and secondly, it would have to it would have to have one of those code of conducts that you accept even to play the single player. Uh, if they can't separate the two, maybe the easier thing is to have separate launchers: one for the multiplayer, one for the single player. And who knows? Maybe some of these games have those already. I'm just not aware of them. Yeah, I think this only affects multiplayer, though. I would, if we'll time will tell if any sing, people from single player games get you know get their games blocked but like that's that's like the draconian nightmare of uh, of always online drm right like a lot of people still really hate the fact that you know they have to log in and play diablo 3 online and that you can't make like you can't go and make your own mods of diablo 3 and hack it as easily because you know part of the game is somewhere else and it's unplayable unless you log in but it's not a subscription based game but you still paid 70 dollars for it so um I think that would be really, really bad if, if players had their games shut down, like from a single player standpoint. But um, yeah, don't hack games, people. <laughs> I yeah. Think the other concern, though, is, and I've seen this not on the bigger titles, but I've, I've read because um, the Steam has the Steam comment section. And there've been I've been looking for games like that might work well on Oculus Rift. And so there's some, some lesser known titles, uh, maybe from European or Asian countries that um you know you're like, a truck driver well uh, i think one of them was like star command or some something like that where it's a online game and it's a space game but like all the comments are like the devs are dicks they um i don't know if i should say that but you know all the commenters are saying like they log into games frequently and are jerks to people who aren't like russian or something like that we you can know, say that they're and, dicks. Yeah, and I okay, and I was like, well, I'm not going to buy this game now because like a hundred people logged in and said the people who make the game are dicks. Yeah, <laughs> you're dicks, <laughs> and um, so like why you know that's just it gives them more ammo, like because there's already and you know we talk I don't know if we've talked about early access yet on the show how that's an issue. Did we do that last show? Sort of. We touched on it. We can't, yeah. I, that's a whole other it's can It's a whole other can of words. But just saying that not everything on Steam is supported by AAA customer service. And even Steam itself recently received like an F from the Better Business Bureau on customer service. So like... Because of all the dicks. Yeah. So I don't want to be a part of a game that, you know, an online game that's going to be really mean to me. And if 
you know so don't put that power in their hands i think that would be the one concern i might have but i don't i don't i don't have any games like that so speaking of yeah. games that you do have <laughs> Yes. Let's uh, let's move past this beautiful readme.txt. We've done some good stories, and let's let's talk some uh, games that we are playing, Bo. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting his head off? Yeah. Fun. All right, this is games per minute where we talk about the games we have been playing and Crofton. Crofton. Yes, Bo. <laughs> I've been playing a whole ton of Heroes of the Storm. Um, I th- I've probably talked about the game on the show before. We've only but, done two episodes, and it feels like I talk about it every episode. But that's you know what? It's one of those multiplayer games. Just gets has a lot of a uh, lot of room to grow and all that sort of stuff. So why don't you just before you get in into it, talk tell us what the game is one more time, just real all quick. Right. So Heroes of the Storm. Um, is a from the company line a hero brawler uh which makes it sound like super smash brothers but it is blizzard's uh, take uh, that's the game company that makes the game on the moba genre which stands for multiplayer online battle arena if i'm not mistaken and it's a 5v5 um fantasy like uh you know dragons and swords and stuff battle royale um, which takes place in sort of a top-down isometric view, kind of like games like Diablo, and um, where you battle it out for victory. And um, we mentioned earlier, Heroes of the Dorm. That was a that Heroes of the Storm was the game on Heroes of the Dorm that was televised on TV, where five people were pitted against another five people for victory. So, in a nutshell, that's Heroes of the Storm. Right now, there's like twenty or thirty different heroes you can pick from. Probably once it gets going, there'll be a hundred or more. Uh, these games tend to have a lot of different playable characters that are, and in this case, recognizable from the Blizzard franchises of Warcraft, Starcraft, uh, Diablo. And we might see some people from Hearthstone and Overwatchers, but nothing's been confirmed, just rumored. Just a question before you, you go on. I, I was curious about this. When you play a game like that, are, are you drawn more to characters that you're attached to from other franchises or do you play um, the character that is best suited from for a gameplay perspective? Like when you took Psylocke from Marvel Heroes, you were like, oh, I like Psylocke or whatever. Like I would take Spider-Man because I'm a huge Spider-Man fanboy and that. But like if you're if you're playing Heroes from the Storm, do you go out and take like Jim Rayner from StarCraft because he's awesome or do you just uh, – It might start out that way, like characters you might have affection for. You'll – you know, Thrall is a, is a very important character in Warcraft, so like a lot of people – might want to start with Thrall. Uh, Sylvanas was released uh, as the most recent hero, and I was super excited about that because she's a big character. So the answer is like yes, but as you like, I've played a lot of the game now. So as as you first explore the game, you'll play characters you might prefer. But what I at least how I play is the characters I seem to enjoy, like enjoy the mechanics of, are the ones that I gravitate towards. Like I'm performing well in matches, and I enjoy the way the character plays. So, like, um, I prefer to play assassins in Heroes. So um, I play characters like Illidan and Nova um, quite a bit. And that play style is the most fun for me. Um, so, I, you know, it, it just depends. When you first start out, you'll definitely want to play, like, the coolest heroes. Like, I really like Chen Stormstout, who's like a panda man, Pandaren. 
Um, but I just didn't enjoy playing him, so I stopped playing him. And the other thing, too, is it's a free-to-play game, but not all the heroes are free-to-play. Every week there's a rotation of seven or eight free heroes. So that as well, if you don't want to put down money up front and buying all the heroes with cash, they're, they range from 7 to $9 each. Uh, so you'll end up spending a lot of money if you buy them that way. Is the game out or is it still in beta? It's still in beta, but it will launch June 2nd. So and in all that money you spent, do you like? Do you still get to keep those characters? Yes, there'll be no more wipes. So even in in it's, even in beta, um, your purchases are like you know cemented. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, you, you can play games and earn gold and purchase heroes with gold, similar to Hearthstone. Um, so there's I, no need to actual actually spend money in the long run. And just before recording the show, you were telling me about something that happened this weekend on Heroes of the so, Storm. Yeah, this is a big deal for me. Uh, so I, I've been playing a tons of Heroes of the Storm. And on Thursdays, uh, two gentlemen by the name of Garrett Weinzerl and Cal Ferguson record a podcast called Into the Nexus. It's a podcast I enjoy about Heroes of the Storm. And they invited me into, uh, you know... <laughs> Uh, a, a viewer game with them and um you know we had a lot of fun and um they they thought i was elite and i was kind of humbled by that because i didn't realize that i was any good <laughs> and then um on saturday i ended up playing with scott johnson um like scott johnson scott johnson does a twitch stream show from three to six on saturday called experience points and he plays games and they had garrett and kyle on the show and um they had like a free spot and i was just hanging around hoping to get in because it'd be you know it was a long shot i didn't expect it but um they invited me in to play their game with them so i played with scott johnson who i'm a huge fan of i was um i've been listening to his podcasts he's he's the reason i'm doing podcasts to be quite honest um i've been listening to his podcast for many years and um, got invited to a game with them to play against Scott Kurtz of PvP Online and his awesome. Motley crew. And yeah. so it was just an amazing weekend. Like, it was a big high in sort of playing video games for me. I was nervous the whole time. You're um, elbowing it up with podcasting royalty. And I was like, I sounded like probably such a fool on the call because <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, you're really good. And I'm like, I'm trying, <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like sounded like the most uncool, <laughs> but whatever. There was no need to act cool. It's just when you're kind of starstruck, you get kind of, I, well, I get kind of tongue tied. So, well, one day they'll, they'll be talking, they'll be like, you know what, you, one day I will tell you about the story about how I played Heroes of the Storm with Bo Schwartz, the uh, exclamation mark podcast host, and everybody will be geeking out. Oh, you met Bo for real? Is he like that in real life? You know, so I, I think uh, maybe you know, this is the cusp, my friend, the cusp. Maybe, but I was really excited and flattered and um, I had a really good time. Uh, so so yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that was my gaming. That's the games I played, and and doing that was like, oh man, I want to play more Heroes of the Storm. So I just played a ton of Heroes of the Storm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I uh, I be picked I picked up a, a new game for my 3ds. Um, I I mentioned a few episodes back. I I shelled out for the new 3ds, uh, and I bought this game uh, Xenoblade Chronicles a 3D. I can't even say that title without laughing a little you, bit. You, it sounds it sounds awesome to me. I know that a lot of people might think like Xenoblade. But, like well, I'll tell you, I'm pretty confident in myself uh, as a person. I I like what <laughs> I like. I like video games and stuff like that. And I you know I like pro wrestling. And I like stuff that that would be you know. There's a certain person. 
percentage of society that would look down on you for liking some of the stuff that I like. But I make no apologies. But one of the few times I have been ever sort of embarrassed is when I went into Best Buy and I wanted the hard copy of Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, and I had to ask the guy, I said, can you unlock the the locked section? I I want to get a game. And he's like, what game do you want? And there's like, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5 and like Call of Duty. <laughs> and then and I'm like, I, I, I would like the um the Xenoblade Chronicles 3D, please, for the, the 3DS, that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, but the, the thing is, is that I'm uh, in a big JRPG fan and like I, I, maybe I should rephrase that. I'm a lapsed JRPG fan and uh, I used to love JRPGs for those who don't know. It's just Japanese role-playing games and um, once upon a time in the era of the Super Nintendo and, and the original PlayStation, they were about the only console role-playing games um, and Final Fantasy was obviously the big one in the West, also Dragon Quest and this sort of thing. So they they kind of have become less prominent and less well known, uh, and I've kind of I kind of missed them to be honest. And everybody told me that this game Xenoblade Chronicles was was one that I needed to check out. That it was like pretty much one of the only great JRPGs of the last generation um, of consoles. That's the generation of the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Yeah, but it only came out on the Wii. Uh, so it was it was actually like um, you know uh, PlayStation Two level graphics to a certain extent, uh, and I kind of and the other thing is they signed a deal with EB Games to, or, or um, GameStop to exclusively uh, have it through there. So uh, not many oh, people. Weird. Yeah, I know. Like this is not the 3DS version. This is the Wii version from yeah. like a few years ago. Still, still strange. Like, yeah, it's like an exclusive deal. But like, I think in this era of like digital downloads and stuff, they, the GameStop is trying to find ways to get people to come in, right? So they figured out, right? Like, no, I, I get why GameStop uh, would do it. I just don't get why a game development company would do it. Unless I, they were offered a bundle of money, like here. You know? I think the big thing was, was that... At, was that these games are not a dime a dozen in Japan, but there's a lot in Japan that never come over because they require a sizable effort to translate. Yeah, and, and, um, and so to get these games to the West, I think, I think there was this game and there was a couple of other uh, JRPGs in the twilight years of the Wii that got released. And, uh, and they got released partly because of these exclusively exclusivity agreements, guaranteeing them a certain amount of money. So they didn't sell well. Xenoblade Chronicles, despite great critical review, did not sell well. And the secondary market for it is huge. Like you can go on eBay and, and, and if you find a shrink wrapped one, it's selling for like 200 bucks or whatever. Wow. Uh, yeah, also because a Wii game for two hundred dollars. Yeah, exactly. Like a, a new and even a used one sells for a lot of money. Wow. So uh, Nintendo, recognizing this, released Xenoblade Chronicles for the 3DS, the new 3DS. It's the only game so far released that only functions on the new 3DS. In a move that's sure to confuse parents everywhere. Um, it, <laughs> It does not work with the old 3DS. It only works in the version I have from earlier this year. It takes oh. advantage of the extra, the small amount of extra oomph um, that it has. So uh, I spent a lot of time here describing uh, what it is, and I 
I, there's a reason for that. Part of it is that I'm not that far in the game, and I know I'm going to be talking about it again. Um, my impression so far is that it's good. As soon as I started it, I, I remembered why, like, I'm not that I've outgrown JRPGs, but there's a cringe element. As soon as it starts and the narration kicks in and all, I'm always like, oh, man, this is, uh, you know. There, there are uh, conventions to JRPGs. Oh, yes. Right? Like, that's right. Because like, I don't really play JRPGs, maybe with the exception of Final Fantasies. But um, I watch anime, and I, some of it's like I don't, it's I don't yeah. get, I don't get why everyone's nose is bleeding <laughs> or something. You know, it's just like yeah. there's a lot it's, of like weird stuff. <laughs> and there's this is totally conventional, but like in, in many ways. But it's also uh, imagination unfurled, and that's the same thing with animes as well and JRPGs. Like sometimes it's just like like for example, the world of Xenoblade Chronicles. Is is the body of these two giant t- titans, like god titans that have been engaged in this sword f- battle and have been frozen, and and like essentially each of their bodies have become the complete world map. So you're walking all around, all over them, and this sort of thing. Uh, on the minute to minute gameplay level, like it just feels like you're in a forest or whatever. But if you look at the world map, you see that the forest is actually on the one of the the legs of the you know it, it's very creative in in the world design, in the enemy design, all that sort of stuff is really creative. But still, it embraces the same sort of tropes. Like you're playing like a young eighteen, nineteen year old kid. There's the girl who pines after him, and blah blah blah. You know, all that shit is 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 right there to be to begin with. But uh, at the same at the same time, it makes a good first impression. It's hard playing a big RPG like this on a small screen on the 3DS, and it does. I do sort of. I could, I wasn't going to shell out 200 bucks for the Wii version, but I sort of wish I was playing it on the Wii. Um, but at least at least I own it now, and and hopefully I'll uh, I'll get through it. And it's nice to get my feet wet in a, a JRPG again. I'll give more thoughts as I as I get further along in it. But it's I'll, so far so good. I'll be interested to hear once you've like gotten through it, because um, Xenoblade is. It's a franchise I recognize, I think, from Super Nintendo days. Like, I think there was a Xenoblade. Really? Eh? Um, yeah, I don't like. I don't think Xenoblade Chronicles is the first Xenoblade, uh, and I could be mistaken. I remember Xeno Gears on the maybe um, that's what and I'm Xeno Saga. Of. I remember too from the PS2. Yeah, but you kind of figure that that's gotta that's gotta be fran- like they gotta be related franchise wise, maybe. Probably there's it, a new there's a new Xenoblade Chronicles Xenoblade Chronicles X coming yeah. to the Wii U later this year exclusively. Like, is is Xenoblade a sort of sci-fi steampunky kind of deal? Like yeah, like I would say yeah, like I robots so. and magic kind of. Yes. Yeah. Then I think Xenogears is in that realm. I mean, they still could be different companies, different franchise. I mean, I I don't know, but it was always. I remember like being a young person, and it's sort of appealing to me, but me never get never getting the opportunity to play it. So, it's, it, anyway, I, for those of you who have it, uh, the new Nintendo 3DS, if you want like a, it's a big game though. Like, and if you're going on a road trip or you're traveling or whatever, and you have it, would be a great one to 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 bring with you. I would expect. Again, I'm just touching the surface of it so far. Hello there, Bo here. Uh, just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random, 
using the random topic generator and debate whether it's good, bad, or bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like good, bad, or bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. Uh, are you ready to talk about uh, our dialogue tree, Crofton? <laughs> or talk about what we're going to talk about in the dialogue tree? So the dialogue tree, we're going to discuss a topic that we predetermined. What, Bo, what is that topic? I'm dying to know. Well, first, we need to do a sound effect. Oh, nice. Let's do it. Cover your ears. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't gotten around to making it better, but we need to have something. Sweet. All right. So it's the dialogue tree where we pick a topic and discuss the tree out of it. Um, and today's topic is the state of Star Wars games. Ooh, May the 4th be with us. How apropos, right? On May the 4th, when your Twitter and Facebook feeds are jammed to the gills with May the 4th puns and images of May the 4th and May the 4th sales, uh, we're also going to join in that <laughs> and talk about Star Wars. It's called Synergy, Bo. <laughs> yes, Synergy. Um, it's my force power. Synergy's your force power? Yeah. So you'd be sounds... like a guy who's good at buffing other players and debuffing the enemy. I debuff people all the time. <laughs> all right. So I mean, where do you want to get cracking on, on the state of Star Wars games? It well, seems like currently it's healthy. Um, there's a lot of hype because of the new movie and the new video game Star Wars Battlefront. Well, I would yeah, I would argue that it's being better and that they're sort of relaunching star wars games but there definitely haven't been many for a while we talked about this with jeff on a previous episode and like what were the recent sort of um star wars games and the two last big ones were like both the force unleashed games um uh, and uh after after that lucas arts took a pretty big uh spin to the point where eventually the disney purchase came to play um and lucas arts is no more pretty much so uh I mean, it, they're relaunching with Battlefront. It looks that one looks good, but honestly, when we were preparing for this topic, I started looking at past Star Wars games, uh, and you know, a lot of them have been wiped from canon now with this sort of weird sort of canon wipe that they've done. Um, and I tell you, I think I'm a Star Wars fanboy. There's a lot of Star Wars games that I like. Well, there's there are a lot of Star Wars fans, and there are a lot of Star Wars fans. I think. In the IT world, <laughs> definitely there are a ton of games, even like if, if you compare it to the amount of movies there are, which, you know, there's only six. I mean, it's six over um, 30 years or so. You know, it's not like there's a ton of movie content, but there is a ton of video game content. And I was looking at this, too, and I think I'm a Star Wars game fanboy as well. Yeah, um, no, like, I, like, it's just... Like, it, off the top of your head, like, which is your favorite Star Wars game experience? Well, the first, as soon as, as soon as somebody says Star Wars games, and I'm not necessarily saying this is my favorite all time, might be, but as soon as somebody says Star Wars games, and this is how old I am, I immediately think of these MS-DOS games, X-Wing and TIE Fighter. 
Um, and uh, I think you mentioned to me earlier that uh, that they've they been released just, on Steam. They just went up on Steam today as part of a May oh, 4th did they? thing. Yeah, like I don't think they were available on Steam. They were put up on GOG last year or something. That was a big deal. That was part of the Disney purchase, I think. Yeah. When they're, uh, but, but yeah, those games were awesome. Like just, uh, I I didn't really appreciate when I was a kid. Uh, how complex they were! Like you could, you, you know, put put your shields to the front, to the back. Um, uh, you you know, you had energy that you had to distribute throughout your uh, your different ships. They did a big job differentiating between the X wing, the A wing, uh, the B wing was an expansion pack. The Y wing was like the bomber, and then um, Tie Fighter just expanded this above and beyond. And it was really uh, the story was good. Everything about it was good. And in comparison, like there were Wing Commander games, also which I liked, uh, but they were much more. Ironically, they were the more cinematic with like the cutscenes and all this. But in terms of like space simulation and feeling like you were actually flying an X wing, man, you couldn't do better than those games. Which is kind of crazy because um, I think. I think the thing the game people think of most often when they're looking back on space sim games, they think of Wing Commander. You know, like that's the one that jumps to mind more immediately. But I think the the ones I always hear positive things about are the Tie Fight, like Tie Fighter in particular um, games. Tie Fighter was really like it was. It polished everything X-Wing did so well. And then they, it, it came out around the time of CD-ROM. So they had a CD-ROM version with voice acting. And like, man, I remember showing the opening cinematics of these games to my uncle Dave, who was into Star Wars somewhat at a Christmas party, being like, look at these graphics. It's insane. Games will <laughs> never look better than this. Isn't it crazy uh, that we used to do that? <laughs> I know. But you know what's funny, though, is that even though graphics are way better than they were then, um, the gameplay of in terms of in terms of like flying a, an, an X-wing, they, it has never come close to that. Like, and I I very much enjoyed the um, the there was this, the Star Wars Rogue Squadron series. So the Rogue Squadron, yeah, on, those were a little more cinematic. I remember, and they were all over. They were generally over planets, right? Like, and uh, you you saw your ship from a third person point of view as opposed to being in the cockpit. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I like those games, but like they paled in comparison to, for, to me, uh, those, those DOS games, th- those were money. Do you think you might check out, uh, the special edition for TIE Fighter? Like it's 10 bucks right now. It seems, seems like too much to me, <laughs> but. Oh, 10 bucks. Yeah. That is a fair amount considering, um, th- how old it is. But like, I mean, I, I have such fond memories. It's hard to go back and really when you're, when we're trying to find time in our busy lives to play to play games you're always going to tend to to move move forward that said last year i played a couple of old games like i played gabriel knight 2 uh and i played like um Deus Ex, you were playing yeah i played like i've i've installed some really old ones and uh so i i you know i'm willing to do that now and again i'm not sure if i will for for tie fighter i never played x-wing versus tie fighter which was the third game so maybe that would be a place to start um, but aside, okay, aside from that, aside from that, and I've geeked out enough about that, but I was really into the Jedi Knight series, which started Dark Forces and then Jedi Knight and then Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast. There's Jedi Ac- Academy, which was one of the first games I ever like got into a beta for and played in the beta, uh, and was super excited. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that's, 
it finished at Jedi Academy. But all those games, third party person action games where you play as Kyle Katarn or whatever, those were I love those. What are some of the ones you liked? Um, for me, because I haven't played them all, like a notable omission in my Star Wars history is Knights of the Old Republic. You never um, played Knights of the Old Republic? No, and I even later on bought it. Like, it's always on sale. Like, right now it's on sale for $3 on Steam. Like, it's always on sale for dirt. But I just never, I never picked it up, you know. And, um, but I always hear such great things about that, about that, you know, as an RPG, like Star Wars RPG. How could that be good? But apparently it's really good. You've played it. You say it's really good. It's it's awesome because of quite a few things. It's it's hard for me to say again when we get into these going back, especially after having played Mass Effect and all that. Going back to it, I I think like the story still holds up. It had an awesome story. The characters were really awesome. Um, I you know I feel like there's probably graphic mods you could get that would beef up the graphics. Um, Gameplay wise, it. It was more actiony than stuff like Baldur's Gate 2 in, in those old old um, Bioware games, but not as actiony as say Ma- even Mass Effect One. Um, so it was kind of a balance. The gameplay is a balance uh, between those. I think it would still be very much worth a, a try. I don't know if you'll ever fit it in your schedule, but it's definitely one of my best Star Wars games, Kotor. Yeah, so that's like that's like the one I feel like I've missed the most, but. I want to say the best experience, like the one I remember the most fondly that jumps to me right now is the Super Series of Star Wars games for the Super Nintendo. Oh, yeah. So there was Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, or I love that title, Super the Empire Strikes Back, and uh, Super Return of the Jedi, which... um, Those games were brutal. Yeah, they were like challenging, but they were fun. Like you got to play as different characters and you had blasters and and lightsaber stuff. And I don't know, it was was really good platform games. And I just, I remember just eating those up and loving playing them. Um, Even though, you know, they probably pale in comparison to experiences nowadays, as we'll probably say a lot. But um, uh, that's like the fondest Star Wars memory I have. I also enjoyed Republic Commando quite a bit. And was sad that there aren't, um, you know, there aren't that many first-person shooter Star Wars games because I think that also really works, given that there's a ton of guns. Now, are the Jedi Knight? There, the Jedi Knight games are first-person, right? They they are, but like, so Dark Forces came out, and it was like a Doom clone. It was about stealing the Death Star plans, um, and then uh, and then what happened was like the second game, Jedi Knight made the character of Dark Forces become a Jedi. And so in all the subsequent games, you had a first-person mode and you had these guns. But the best weapon was the lightsaber. So you would always, like, defer to the lightsaber. Like, if you have a lightsaber, why are you fucking around with these guns, you know? like like, does it kind of become like Skyrim at that point, you know? Like, because that first person, I've got a melee weapon sort of deal. It it definitely, I thought that, the fighting was more fun. I, I learned that was one of the few games I learned all the rules for. So like I played it online, Jedi Knight um, Two Jedi Outcast, and I was amazing at that game. Like that was one of the. There's very few games that I'm skilled at. I generally suck at games, but this was a, a game that for some reason just clicked for me, and I I knew all the, I knew all the tricks, and so I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than than I I was the guy that like if you were a noob and you just started the game, I would probably. <laughs> 
go and kill you and then you'd be like fuck this game i'm never playing it again <laughs> and i would be like this game is so awesome you know so uh so i i recognize that my experience is not shared by everyone but i had a really i had a really good time uh with that game and uh recently like i played force unleashed i was a bit underwhelmed i didn't play the second one I played – I never played Knights of the Old Republic 2, which is a big omission. It was made by Obsidian and I just – because it wasn't made by Bioware and I, I had fairly recently finished the last Knights of the Old Republic, which has a lot of replayability as well. And I just sort of said, meh, forget that. And there's been a lot of like cheap cash-ins for um, – there are tons of cheap cash-ins for uh, movies, especially the episode one. I remember there was the Pod Racer game. There was like a Mario Kart type game. There was like a Star Wars Episode One third person game, Jedi Power Battles. There, um, wasn't but, there a supposed to be a Connect game? There for, was one. There was a Connect with oh, it dancing was, it Han was, Solo. A dancing Han Solo? Yeah, you didn't hear. So, no, like, I remember hearing, like, because I've got a Connect. I was all into the hype, and I was like, oh, there's a Star Wars game coming. But somewhere along the way, I lost interest in Connect, and I guess lost interest in whatever happened. So, did the game get released? I don't even. It did get released, and people say that that I think that was the last game released by Lucas Arts, and people say that was the death knell in the company. <laughs> uh, and it was like a it was like a series of mini Connect games, but one of them was um... Steven Spielberg said Connect was awesome, <laughs> but. One of them was, uh, you know how Dance Central was the only game that ever worked in Connect. Well, one of the mini games yeah. was like Dance Central in all these like Star Wars locales oh, with like no. Han Solo and Jabba dancing in the background like, or like, some like shit. Like the bar in Mos Eisley or whatever. Yeah, you should Google it. It's pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. So I, I, I liked like I'm just going over this. I'm I'm like man, Star Wars games are super awesome. I really really like them, but. There hasn't been a good Star Wars game for quite a long time now. And uh, I think the last good one was the Old Republic, which is still out there. You played that one. Um, so, well, and arguably that that's a that's because a, we're going to if we're going to talk MMOs, that's like a whole separate other beast. Right. Um, didn't we both play the Old Republic? I played. Yeah, you got it for me for Christmas and I played the, the smuggler class quite quite a ways. Like yeah. I. You know, it was much more accessible than a lot of MMOs I played, and I played Star Wars Galaxies very briefly before as well. The last, it's, the last MMO. It's pretty much a, I would say, a, like a WoW clone. I mean, it's not identical, but it's you know, it's very similar. Um, but it just failed to connect. I think, like I think it, it, I think they, it's still going, and I think there are fans of the Star Wars universe who enjoy play it and playing it. But um, for me, it's always gameplay before IP. You know, and I'm already a sort of a World of Warcraft player, and it's like I can play a better version of this game in World of Warcraft than spend time in the Star Wars universe. So once the novelty of being a um, an overweight uh, Jedi, because I made a fat guy and made him a, a, a nimble Jedi, which I thought the Friar Tuck of Jedi's, <laughs> yeah, which I thought was pretty funny, and and, and it kind of makes me wonder why there aren't um, any fat Jedi humans like in the movie. I really want to see that fat guy or girl doesn't matter, just a big person who can you know whose weight doesn't hold them down because they have the power of the force <laughs> you know um amused me but once that novelty wore off uh, a lot of quality of life stuff that i already came to expect and, and know in, in wow was just not there and then i was like well it also at the time it had a subscription fee so i'm not going to pay a subscription fee yeah they ditched that pretty quick yeah and, and i just haven't bothered to go back because time is also another factor but 
they did a good job of the game and certainly the cinematic trailers leading up to it were really amazing um but overall it's just you know i just don't have time for it unfortunately it, but it's it's yeah it was one of the last positively received releases and honestly the the state of Star Wars games right now is pretty sad. I'm like tentatively excited for Battlefront. Um, looks good. They're big on the pre-sale. It's already up for pre-sale on the PlayStation Store and different stuff. I look at it and I think like this could be an unfinished game or this could be a game with very basic functionality. Um, the graphics look good. Sound effects look good. And it, it's, I'm tentatively optimistic because um, there was a while there where they showed this, this, this Star Wars game. I think it was called Star Wars some number. Uh, it was about, it was about smugglers in the, uh, bowels of Coruscant and it was going to be rated M and they had, they released a trailer for it and it was a hot sizzle reel that looked pretty sweet and everybody was excited and it was going to be one of the launch games for the new, for the PS4 and the Xbox one. And when LucasArts went belly up, that game went kibosh, got kiboshed. And I was mm. excited about that game a lot. I liked where they were going with it. And so it was, um, you know, I'm less excited for a multiplayer shooter like Battlefront, but that sizzle reel, as we discussed the other day, looks pretty good. So I'm, yeah. I hope they have more good games. Um, I'm excited for it. Uh, the one, there was one we missed though that's a big series, which is the Lego Star Wars. I don't know if you count those as Star Wars games or not, because I played, I played one of those. I played one of those. That was one of those other few moments in games where I'm embarrassed, like where I went into the store and I was like, "Can I have Lego Star Wars, please, sir?" Oh, man. Uh, I think those games do really, really well for like Lego and the developers because they make. They make like everything Legos, like Lego Batman, Lego Indiana Jones. Like they wouldn't make them if people weren't buying the game. But Star Wars was the one that kicked it off. Like their yeah. whole model, their whole template that they Traveler's Tales, I think, have used in a bunch of other games now. Um, uh, you started with Star Wars, so I mean, like, yeah, no, they they've had a lot of, they've had tons of good games, tons of shit games, many that we're not even mentioning. Uh, or just sort of we're, never, we're not going to get them all. <laughs> Even if just, we had the list in front of us, there's not enough time to go in depth on every Star Wars game. And I don't want 10 games a year, but at one point there was like a bunch coming out every year. And I would like to see like maybe one or two Star Wars games a year. I feel there's a lot of potential there. And with a movie coming out every year for the foreseeable future, I think that we, we're going to – the we're force gonna... is going to be with us. <laughs> That's, uh, <laughs> That's a good note to end on, is that uh, we're definitely going to be seeing a lot more Star Wars games. Star Wars games get, we will. Ah, yes, Yoda. All right. Um, I think it's time to move on to this. Challenging and inexact science. That music makes me feel really positive. I'm. It lifts my soul. Positive with the force you are. <laughs> it's from like an inventory management, um, you know, workplace video from like United Arab Emirates or something like that. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty kick-ass. All right. What do, what do we do in inventory management, Bo? Inventory management is where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash. Oh. Yeah, it's more profound because it rhymes. 
So do you want to start? I just blah blah I, about Star Wars for about 10 hours. Sure. Well, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because um, we spent a lot of time talking about Star Wars. Uh, and I'm gonna rec. Oh, well, I'm gonna recommend Heroes of the Storm for this week, <laughs> just because I've had a ton of fun playing it. That that's it, a good reason. It make I might as well use this show just to be the show to be like, try the game. It'll be launched soon. You'll be able to try it for free. It's worth your time trying it for free. There's been some stuff that's happened to the game that just sort of makes me laugh. You know, do you when, need a be- do you need a beta key to get in? Um, right now you do, but um, it'll be going open beta two weeks before launch. So you should okay. be able to get in if you have the Battle.net launcher before June 2nd, two weeks before June 2nd. Um, but we're in May. That's like It's like four weeks away. So Yeah, but if someone's listening right now and they want to play, they got to suck up to their friends for beta keys. That's right. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's like two weeks you should be able to get in. But I still recommend it. Um that's my recommendation. I mean, as like a little PS recommendation, it's not a video game, but I recently binge watched all six seasons of the Clone War, Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Uh, and I highly recommend that too. If you like Star Wars, it's slow to get started, but it will hook you in and give you that good old Star Wars feeling of that struggle between the light side and the dark side. It's cool. Sweet. Yeah. choice you made is good it is i don't even know if that made sense okay uh, speaking of the choice between the light and the dark um i t- finished infamous second son and i've been talking about that a little bit the past couple of weeks um infamous second son is is third in the infamous games it's totally worth you checking out especially if you have have a ps4 or you just got a ps4 um a couple of years into the lifespan there really isn't that many exclusive games that allow you to have a good time show off the graphical uh, bells and whistles of your powerful new system and uh so infamous second son to me um that's like where you're a superhero but as if you were like a normal dude being a superhero right to, to a certain extent yes like it's it it's taking it's the origin story of his, a superhero in their own sort of original property world they call them conduits in the world of in, infamous okay and um and like, so like yeah. walkers and the walking dead yeah, exactly. Okay. They're essentially superheroes in each one or mutants or whatever. Everybody gets a different power. Some of them are unlocked. Uh, your character, Delson Rowe, gets his his par- power is to absorb the powers of other characters, which allows you to have multiple power sets. You, there's four sets of powers that you unlock during the game, which allows for it never to really get stale. And this is, a, this is something that I would say about Infamous Second Son. I've read some places people saying that it's too short and um, it's not too short. It's just short, shorter for an open world game after like giant monstrosities like watchdogs that are way too long and have way too much like filler and stuff. I've I've 100 percented infamous second son uh, oh, wow. on the on the good path. Now, I know that sounds impressive, but really it's not that long like there are bonus things to do and they're fun bonus things to do so when i was done the game i was excited because you only get your last set of powers fighting the boss of the game and so so you get uh so even once the credits roll afterwards if you want to use those powers you know you can explore the city with them and, and use them against enemies and and and, uh, and and do all the bonus content. So it just makes it really enjoyable to play all the way to the end and even 
beyond. Uh, and I find that the length of the game is just about perfect for someone like me who recently in games like Far Cry 4, even in Dragon Age position, which I loved, they're so long that at one point it starts feeling like work, busy work of some sort. And you just, you just want that. I wish sometimes there's more of a sweet spot where you finish the game and you're like, I finished Infamous and I'm seriously thinking about starting a, a new game. It's not the most amazing game ever, but it is the best of the Infamous. It controls quick, it, very nicely. It's got a really nice graphics. And um, and it, it provides a good variety of superhero gameplay. So I'd say it's up there in the best superhero games of all time. Um, it It's just that there are so many great games these days that it wasn't able to rise above the crust last year. And I understand why that is. Really, I do. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's I, I feel bad that it's not getting uh, – it, it didn't get that much attention. And also it's, um, it's cheaper now. Like I got it in the grocery store for like 15 bucks but it sells on the playstation store for 40 bucks which sounds like a lot but i think it's totally worth that that amount of money um so yeah my recommendation is infamous second son that'll be the last i'll be talking about infamous for uh the foreseeable future but uh if you're a new ps4 owner you could do a lot worse it's pretty fun yeah rummage around your grocery store has been maybe you'll find it for 15 dollars too i find that's a huge trick like when you go to like grocery stores or like shoppers drug mart or whatever like you go into one of those bargain bins and sometimes they overprice the hell out of something it'll be like you know nfl madden nfl 2006 for 60 dollars or whatever oh. and then then other times it'll be like you know some awesome game for like 10 bucks you know so it's always worth checking those out because i guarantee they underpriced infamous Maybe they didn't know what they were doing, but whatever. Because yeah, Infamous is like got to be a flagship title for uh, PlayStation. Seems yeah, it's really cheap. It's a year old now. That's normally when the prices start dropping, but whatever. It was uh, good. All right. Well, that's our recommendations. And Crofton, I think that's the fourth episode in the can. That's right, Bo. All right. So as we wrap things up, or do you want to do the wrap up, Crofton? Oh, you wrap it up, Bo. I love and I enjoy your dulcet tones. All right. Well, I'm going to dulcet the tone out of this. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right. If you want to find out more about the show, the central location is exmpodcast.com. There you can find links to follow our show on Twitter at exmpodcast. Um, we're getting off to a rocking start trying to get some followers and follow some people and Maybe put up some interesting things, but uh, follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash exmpodcast. Finally, if you want to comment on anything we've talked about in the show or just say anything at all, we'd be happy to read and discuss it on the air. You can email us at exmpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, I'd like to say as we get the show off the ground, if you've listened to the show and enjoyed what we've had to offer, please consider going to iTunes or to Stitcher, whichever one you listen to our show on, and write a review about our show. Just even rank it five stars and leave it at that or put in a few good words for us. We'd really appreciate that. I th I'm under the belief that it helps us, you know, gain more traction and notice on iTunes. But if I'm being honest, I don't have that big of, good of an idea how it works. But please do that anyways. We'd be really happy if you did. If right. you write it, if you write it like Yoda, we would appreciate it even more. That would be excellent. 
In like fact, this podcast I do. Five yeah. stars it is. <laughs> Maybe we should make new accounts and go do that ourselves. <laughs> we would never do that. No. All the reviews you see are honest. No, I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't live with myself. I couldn't look people in the eye and, and, and You'd be embracing the dark side. Exactly. Um, all right, so uh, Crofton, if our listeners want to find out more about you individually, uh, you know, what sort of places can they find you? Well, they can follow me on Twitter at Crofton Steers, uh, and uh, I'll be tweeting stuff with regards to this podcast, the exclamation mark, and also our sister podcast, Good, Bad, or Bullshit. That's right. You can find us both on the Good, Bad, or Bullshit podcast. Go to goodbadbull.com for the info. Um, you can follow me at Bo Schwartz, and I think that wraps up all the uh, linking doobly doos that we have to offer. So I, and now we're going to close out the show with our Master Games Theater. Theater, theater, theater. Don't have a bumper for that. Um, are you ready, Crofton? Sure, I was born ready, Bo. All right, the following uh, performance is a an excerpt from a modern classic game known as The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. <clears throat> Are you ready? I I'm ready. I'm ready, Bo. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow to the knee. Mm-hmm.